1: If you are caught in the cycle of an old past that shapes your todays and determines your tomorrows with a bite in it, a painful bite, you can say goodbye to your old yesterdays and have a whole new past transformed by the power of God to reach back into those yesterdays and to make them meaningful events that lead you to God and lead you to His kingdom so whereby you have a new past which gives you a new future in Christ.
2: That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message is entitled The Gospel Reboot. We hope that you enjoy it. You can always download a copy to your personal library from reachingyourheart.com or listen right there online in on-demand audio format. That's reachingyourheart.com. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us anytime during the broadcast. That telephone number is 888 244 HOPE. That's 888 244 4673. Here now is our pastor teacher,
1: Michael Oxenteco. Mandy Hill, a devotional writer, once wrote If God closes a door and a window, consider the fact that it might be time to build a whole new house. There comes a time in every person's life when they are done and what they have done is over and what they're all about becomes an old and locked up house ready to be torn down. They have to begin anew. And the old ways become too old to work in a way that works the way it is supposed to. It becomes obsolete and broken. The old ideals wrinkle up like lines on a tired face and they become whipped and weary in the pursuit of a joyful journey. Have you ever felt like that? What? You know, the old ships that contain the past treasures of faith, love and joy develop leaks in the stern, and they prove themselves unworthy for a voyage to a new and distant land of joy. Friend, there comes a time when an old heart that was young many years before skips a beat or two on the way to stopping altogether, and the life that was new is new no more, and as the heart itself stops beating in the rhythm of life. I mean, let's face it, we start with strength, we start with vigor, but we can run the course of life, and what was there can become obsolete and old. On January 16, 2006, Margaret White made history. She became the first person in history to receive a live and beating heart that replaced her diseased and obsolete and dying heart. It was the reboot for her new life which gave her a radical ability to live when she should have died. She moved from death to life right there on the operating table. She wasn't dead. She simply transitioned. She was rebooted. She relinquished her old and obsolete heart for one that was alive and beating. Until that moment in time, a heart transplant was something like this. A donor who was brain dead would be injected with potassium chloride that would then stop the heart from beating. Then the surgeon would quickly remove the heart from the body and pack it into ice to preserve it for the patient. The dead heart would have to be revived for the patient to live. There was a transition. There was a death on the operating table. But she actually transitioned from life to life without dying in a way. It was a miraculous event. In 2006, Margaret Weib received a living heart from a live donor right there next to her. It was the great exchange of an old heart for a new living beating heart. And it was good news for her beating inside her chest. Friend, the book of Hebrews describes the transition from the old obsolete era of the old covenant of hard hearts to the new covenant where God takes the moral law of God, where He takes the very heart of the Son of God, and by grace and by the power of the cross, He transplants that into the heart of someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. And whereas that person was ready to die, that person can know God and live. The new covenant, friend, is a radical reboot of the life that was destined to die, whereby we might live forever with God. Turn with me to Hebrews 8, verse 10. God says without apology, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws where? What does the text say? Into their minds and write them where? On their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We're talking about a close, vital connection between God and His people. Next verse. He goes on to say, And they shall not teach everyone his fellow, or everyone his brother, saying, know the Lord. And here is the exact poetic center, the exact linguistic, classic center of the book of Hebrews. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That is the purpose of that book. God wants to reboot our lives so we can know Him. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. I read a verse like that, and I want to say, hallelujah. Verse 13, and speaking of a new covenant, he treats the first as obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Friend, if God closes a door and a window in your life, then you must consider the fact that it might be time to build a whole new house. If your house is in ruins lately, if your home is in ruins, if your plans are broken down, you can start over with Jesus Christ. You don't have to be there. If your best dreams have become nightmares, you can dream again of things you have never dreamed of. If you are caught in the cycle of an old past that shapes your todays and determines your tomorrows with a bite in it, a painful bite, you can say goodbye to your old yesterdays and have a whole new past transformed by the power of God to reach back into those yesterdays and to make them meaningful events that lead you to God and lead you to His kingdom so that whereby you have a new past which gives you a new future in Christ. I mean, you're not scripted by what's happened to you. The interpretation of what has happened to you has a lot to do with what you do with Jesus Christ. Because whether or not it has meaning will be determined by the outcome, the choices you make in faith. Christ came to this world. Christ came to provide a radical reboot for the human race. A reboot for hearts that were totally controlled by the old software of sin and selfishness. Sometimes people feel that they don't have a right to start over with God. I mean, they feel so bad about what happened to them, what someone did to them, their background, their childhood, the sins they committed that let God down. I mean, I've been there. Maybe you have. And sometimes they feel that that sinful past has a legitimate and legal right to hold them down. Friend, it isn't so. As they say in the South, it ain't so. In the Gospel of John divine inspiration meets this false idea head on and offers us hope that's real a living hope and the way out in Jesus look at John 1:12 but to all who received him who believed in his name he gave power to become children of god the greek is authority he gave power that is authority to become the children of god who were these people who were born Not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He'll go on to say, born again in John 3. Born of the Spirit. Friend, Christ came to this world to give you authority to start over with God, to reboot your life. My favorite inspirational writer had this to say in her book, Patriarchs and Prophets, on page 64. She wrote, God was to be manifest in Christ... Reconciling the world unto Himself. Man had become so degraded by sin that it was impossible for him in himself to come into harmony with him whose nature is purity and goodness. But Christ, after having redeemed man from the condemnation of the law, could impart divine power to unite with human effort. Thus, by repentance toward God and faith in Christ... The fallen children of Adam might once more become sons of God. That means children of God. Friend, we have by the authority of the victory of Christ, the right to be fully informed and fully legally installed members of the family of God. So what you were in the past, you can talk about it, really doesn't matter to God. What your family was like, what happened to you, is not what you are about if you belong to Christ. Your future is determined by the blood of Calvary and the greatness of the gift that must transform your life on a road that leads to tomorrow where you will stand with the living Christ. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I mean, God's not a racist. God doesn't care what social background you belong to. God is after the anyone who wants to be with Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she understood as a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, verse eighteen takes a little further. All this, not some of it. All of this is from God. I mean, we don't get there, and we don't arrive at God's glorious outcome because we contribute in some way to the power of God in our lives. No, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. You know, and what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Not counting their trespasses against them. That's another word for saying forgiving them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's another way of saying teaching us to forgive others, whereby the God who forgave us empowers us to forgive. Thus, love moves from God to us to others. That's what it means. The gospel of Jesus Christ, friend, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is God's way of rebooting your life for good, whereby you can live for others and not for yourself. This morning, I want to look at the apostolic gospel this new year. And I want us together to consider the great opportunity that God offers each and every one of us to reboot our lives and to start over with Jesus Christ. How many of you want to start over with God this year? You want to have a good, clean reboot in your life? Okay, now you get your notepad out, you get your Bible open, you engage, because we're talking about the truth that reboots your life. Romans 1, verses 1 to 3. The epistle to Romans begins with the name of Paul. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, and the Greek, a slave of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, the Pharisees in ancient times were called the set-apart ones. So Paul is saying, look, I'm a Pharisee still. In fact, he'll claim that before the Jerusalem Council when he was tried. I'm a Pharisee still. But he was not a Pharisee for himself or for the old way of things. He was set apart for God and for Christ. And that's different. He goes on to say, which he, God, promised beforehand... Through his prophets, where in the Holy Scriptures? Now, some people say, "Well, you know, I don't need that Bible in my interaction with God. I'm a spiritual person. I got the Holy Spirit." Friend, you don't have any Holy Spirit if you don't let the Bible interact with your faith experience to inform you. The Spirit comes through the two olive trees, which represents the Word of God, and we glean the oil from the Word. And so Paul is saying, listen, I didn't get this gospel from my head. I got it from the prophecies of the Old Testament. Now what gospel is it? Verse 3, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and designated son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 1.1, Paul forthrightly proclaims that he has been set apart by God to proclaim this gospel That concerns Jesus. In verse 2, as we have just read, Paul asserts that this gospel, promised to the prophets as the Old Testament prophecies did, this gospel is now revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. He has a legitimate right to rule in our lives as the seed of David. Verse 3, Paul leaves no room for confusion here. He says, The gospel is the gospel concerning His Son, God's Son. Now, if you need a single verse in your Bible to tell you what the gospel is, this is the shortest explanation of it. This means that Christ Jesus is the core, the context, the critical mass, and the real and deepest concern of the apostolic gospel of God that was taken to the world in the first century. God's good news that reboots your life, that saves you, is the good news wrapped up and around the person of Jesus Christ. So it's impossible to speak of the gospel and to not lift up the Lord Jesus Christ.
2: More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives. And we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 Don't miss your opportunity right now to call and get a copy of these free Bible study guides Call right now That's 888-244-4673 Now more with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanker
1: well, I'll tell you right now friends I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ If you come here and you want to hear a bunch of philosophy from this pulpit, you're not going to get it. If you come here and you want to hear about social engineering, you're not going to get it from this pulpit. But if you come here, a lost soul or a soul in need of heavenly fodder, and you want to stand on Zion with the Lamb, you come here, we're going, by the grace of God, in years to come, not just here, but around the world and in our community, evangelize by lifting up Jesus Christ. Because, dear heart, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the gospel concerning God's Son. God's good news that reboots your life and saves you is about Jesus. That means there's no gospel without Jesus. So in the truest sense, Jesus is the gospel. The text talks about Jesus coming in the flesh and Jesus' resurrection from the dead as his victory over mortal flesh. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle with the flesh. Have you ever struggled with your flesh? It's okay to say yes. Okay. I mean, we are. We live in a world where the media throws stuff at us. you got to look the other way. you got to pray through those things that affect you. Christ came in human flesh. He gained the victory over sin in human flesh. And it was buried, and he arose, in the power designated to him by God, the indestructible power of the resurrection, and he was designated in power of the resurrection as the Son of God. According to the Apostle Paul, the gospel concerning Jesus is God's power to reboot your life for good and for God. Look at Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. It is the power of God for salvation to whom? to everyone but it's qualified so it's not universalism here who has faith now friend if you don't have faith in christ you don't get it if you have faith in christ you receive it Faith is the condition here. It says to the Jew first and also the Greek, God started working with the Jewish people. He reached out to save the world. The great mystery of the gospel is how God could in fact save the world, not just His own people. His people became humanity by virtue of His death on the cross. John says God in Jesus has given us authority to become the children of God. Authority represents a legal or perhaps a relational right or power of sorts. You have a right to belong to God because of Christ's blood. But here in Romans 1.16, Paul asserts that the gospel gives the believer power to become children of God. The Greek word is dunamis. It's dynamite kind of power. It really represents explosive energy. And so he gives us energy to become the children of God, energy to be transformed. Friend, that means that the gospel, the good news, the truth about Christ, is God's energy that enables those who believe in Jesus to have a new life with energy to live for Him. you ever felt tired? You, know, you work hard for the church, you work hard for God, and you, oh, I have to do that again, okay? The gospel gives us energy to face any trial with joy because it is for Jesus. Paul says, he through faith is righteous will live. You cannot live for God in your own power as a Christian and pull this off. The force of human will is not a strong enough force to produce a changed life that will do God's will. The battle against self, friend, is the greatest battle ever fought, and the soul must submit to God before the soul can be renewed in God and live. And only the good news, the truth of Christ in the apostolic gospel has the power to change your life for good and for God. How many of you go late at night after midnight to buy your groceries? That's when I do it. I'm so busy... I end up going after midnight, so I have to fight the lines. And I've encountered something different there late after hours. Very often I've come out with a bag of groceries and stuff, and someone's there saying, Sir, can you help me? I'm homeless. I live just right across the street there in the woods at night. Sometimes I can get some money to get a hotel over there in that hotel. Have you ever been addressed by anyone like that? Okay. I can't help myself. I just can't send them away empty-handed. I mean, I've been had, have you ever been had by some drug addict or something and get some money from me? Yeah, okay, I may have given somebody some money where they used it for drugs. I feel bad already telling you. But I feel worse doing nothing because I really don't know and I don't want to take the chance of that person not getting a little infusion of help and grace there. But sometimes it's gotten pretty severe. I remember one day going and buying three bags of groceries for someone who got out of there and wasn't there when I finished buying them. So I took them all back inside, they rescanned them, they looked at me and said, don't you ever do that again. I said, well, I can't guarantee that. But I have noticed sometimes they don't have a coat. I've gone to the hotel to help pay for their rent. If I can avoid just giving them money, I'd rather just make sure they can get in. But I can remember getting one of these chickens for my dog Smokey. And I got stopped by a mother and her child, immigrants and Smokey didn't get the chicken. They did. But you know, these gifts aren't nearly as meaningful as currency. Money allows them to have the flexibility to do what we need money for at times. So at times I've given them money. Now I can't say I have felt good all the time. Sometimes I feel awful that I gave the money I was going to spend on that to them. But it's good to do it if it's the right thing to do. You have to weigh and pray it out. One person actually sweared at me when I didn't give him enough. And so he later came back and I ended up giving him some food or something. I and mean, it's just strange. You don't know how to work out. But I have learned that when you're in need, you need currency to live, don't you? Currency to stay warm. Currency represents love when it's given from someone to you and your need is great. Friend, without Christ, we are bankrupt in this world. We are a bankrupt kind of people. We are homeless and alone. And we have no right to eternity with no currency good enough for the judgment day. In Ephesians 2.1, the Bible says that we are dead in trespasses and sins. Isaiah described the human condition as one in which the whole head is sick. What does that mean? That means our greatest theologians... Don't have a clue of how to approach God. The human mind cannot find God. And the whole heart faint. That means our moral nature, our emotions, they just aren't right either. And that means we are in our minds and our emotions. We do not possess the stuff that is needed to reboot the life and to start over. You can't look within to find God. The new age is bankrupt. Philosophy is bankrupt. Theology is bankrupt. Jesus is not. Sin has that powerful force to rob a person of life. Paul says we are held fast in the snare of Satan and that we are taken captive by his will. So our will doesn't work very well in this world. We are born doing the devil's will instead of God's will. You know, there's a thing going around today in the church, maybe you've heard it, saying that the gospel is about social justice. You ever hear that? You ever hear that? Well, that's a false gospel because it's not about social justice it's about the greatest injustice in the history of the world one man dying for every human being because we're all sick and the person who seeks social justice in this world won't get it we as christians suffer injustice in this world do we not and we cannot take up the sword to produce justice for others and so we must endure and we must experience what Christ experienced to seize the prize. And so there's a false gospel going out there that would substitute something of a human will for that which we need most, Jesus Christ. Friend, that is why when we look at the cross and we see the power of Christ. The gospel is God's power to change the life, to give power for good and to transfer the will, to give us the ability to live with injustice, to give us the ability to love others in spite of what they do. The gospel is God's power to work in us. So what is this gospel that reboots the life according to his will? Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Paul here just lays it out very clearly. He says, Now I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preach to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, and notice what else he says, by which you are saved. I mean, there are Christians afraid to use the word saved. I want to be saved. What about you? Therefore, I have to receive the gospel. And you are saved by receiving it. But there's another condition besides receiving it. If you hold it fast, unless you believed in vain. I mean, if you hear it, you don't cling to it, and you don't make it a big deal in your life, you don't benefit from it. How many of you go water skiing? Anybody go water skiing? I was once in a theology homiletics class learning how to preach. When Dr. Bennett, my homiletics professor, was asking about the sea of glass... He was getting theological in the class. He was saying, I don't know how they're standing on the sea of glass. Does anybody have a clue here? And I raised my hand. Sir, I know how. I know exactly how and why they're standing on the sea of glass with Jesus. In the book of Revelation, he says, well, tell us. He was a Daniel and Revelation scholar. I said, sir, it is not profound at all. They are water skiing with Christ. He looked at me. My grade went down a little bit. But I was right. It's a whole lot of fun Moving through the water with Christ.
2: Well, amen. That will conclude the first portion of the Gospel Reboot. Today's Reaching Your Heart. If you'd like to listen to the entire message without interruption, go ahead to reachingyourheart.com. Once again, that website is reachingyourheart.com. We'd love for you to go there and visit now. You'll find an opportunity to listen to this message again, as well as many other messages archived there for you. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you call us right now, we have a free gift for you entitled Soul Care. It's a short 64-page volume all about becoming a whole in a broken world through a personal relationship with God. If you call right now, we have that book for you. Once again, that telephone number is 888-244-4673, 888-244-HOPE. If you've been inspired by this message and want to partner with us to further spread these messages and keep us broadcasting on the air, then we welcome your partnership. And you can give a donation of any amount. We thank you for your support. Once again, that telephone number is 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us again next time for another Reaching Your Heart.